So I've got a little kind of bad news, good news for you this morning. Uh, The good news is we are not continuing this morning in our series through the book of Lamentations. Um, We figured you needed a break from such a depressing book in the book of Lamentations, so we're going to press pause on that. That's the good news. The bad news is we're going to resume it next week. Um, So next week we'll get back into uh, the book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3. Uh, But the great news this morning is we really do have the privilege of hearing from a sampling of some of our missionaries here at Grace Bible Church. And um, I know that there are uh, many of you in this room who are new to Grace. And I want you to understand that missions has been part of the core of the DNA of Grace Bible Church since the very beginning in 1954 when Brad and Betty Lastly were sent out as the first missionaries of Grace Bible Church. And uh, over the last 69 years, God has continued to send people out through grace. And year after year, we host this missions conference where we get to hear just a little bit about God's work here in DFW and around the world. And with this missions conference, we also uh, open up every year our special missions fund. And in your bulletin, you should have received an envelope like this. And each and every year, um, we raise money in addition to our normal operating budget. And this money, this special missions funds, uh, these uh, money is used to provide unique and emergency needs to support missionaries around the world, as well as to help support grace-sponsored mission trips. And it's our hope to support many of the projects that you'll hear about this morning and more. And our missions team got together and they came up with a list of a number of projects and things that they've identified over the, uh, this year that they want to do. And you're going to get just a sampling of that this morning. Uh, but our fundraising goal for this year for our special missions fund is $97,316. It's a very specific amount, $97,316 to continue supporting projects like you'll hear about this morning. Uh, But this fund is open today through March the 26th, and we want to invite you to consider giving to the Special Missions Fund. You can just write that on your check. You can designate it online. You can drop your gift in this little envelope. Um, And in addition to the Special Missions Fund, uh, any of our missionaries out in the commons or those on stage If the Lord lays it on your heart to support them individually as well, then you are certainly welcome to do that, and you can speak with them about how to give to their particular ministry uh, through their corresponding mission agency. And so those are just a few opportunities uh, you have before you this morning, but without further delay, I'm going to turn it over to TS, and we're going to get started. Here we go. I should probably turn on the microphone. So I'm T.S. Weaver. I'm the engaged pastor here, and let's dive in and get to know these guys. So we'll start with Josh, since you're closest to the microphone. Can you introduce yourself, tell us what your connection is to grace, and tell us about what your ministry work is? Yes, yeah, so my name's Josh Geiger, and I am serving as the executive director at Casa del Lago. Uh, Casa del Lago is a ministry which exists to show the love of Jesus Christ to the Botman Lake community, by doing four things. We run a preschool. We do elementary school literacy programs after school and in the summer. 
We have an adult English or adult education program in which we teach English and computer literacy. And then we provide pastoral care to families in the Botman Lake neighborhood. And uh, Casa del Lago was founded in 2014. Um, Pat and Monica Sargent were deeply involved in that. Pat was one of our founding board members. Uh, we've got a really strong partnership with Readers to Leaders, which was founded by Ted and Stephanie Schweinfurth. And we've had members from Grace praying for us, serving for us, and giving uh, to CASA since, uh, since our founding in 2014. So really, really appreciate that. I'm very glad to be here. Hi, my name is Jean Joseph. Um, I'm married um, 15 years. Um, we are missionaries with Mission Go, serving in Haiti. Uh, we have been there for seven years. And what we do there is uh, we have a Bible school where we train and equip pastors and church leaders for the work of ministry. We have a um, children's ministry where we um, partner with parents so that we can send uh, vulnerable children to school, as well as tutor and mentor them and expose them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also um, uh, have a women's ministry where we work with oppressed women who are in abusive relationship so that we can provide them with job skills so that they, can, they are able to leave those abusive relationships should they choose to, as well as expose them again to the gospel. We also have another aspect of the ministry, which is church planting. Church planting comes into play when we partner with graduates from the Bible school to plant Bible-believing churches and communities and villages where there are no churches or where there are no uh, Bible-believing churches. Uh, I got connected with Grace Bible when I was a student at DTS, and uh, Grace has been a, a strong partner ever since. And a quick interesting fact about John is he married someone with the same first name, and I don't know anyone who would ever do that. That's just <laughs> crazy. No, so we have a special connection now. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us here. My name is Ben Mogosh, my wife, Anda, and I were uh, students at Dallas Theological Seminary um, 13 years ago. That's hard to believe. Um, and um, it was actually Dr. John Hanna from DTS that uh, introduced us to uh, Grace uh, through uh, Pastor Andy. Um, because uh, we were at Stonebriar uh, when we were here, and Dr. Hanna came to Romania to see our ministries. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities in Bucharest, Romania is where we serve with Global Outreach International. Uh, primarily, we've planted a uh, church in downtown Bucharest, and my wife, uh, since she graduated um, with a counseling degree from DTS, um, is involved in a um, uh, local practice there. She actually um, started it and runs it. Um, we have the privilege of um, uh, running the Insight for Living uh, Romania office and um, um, airing Chuck Swindle's uh, sermons. Um, I have the amazing privilege of being his voice there, uh, as well as in being involved in theological education, leadership development, um, and um, um, the Ukrainian um, crisis um, in the last one year so. And so you and John both mentioned church planting. So could you define or describe that for us? Sure. In our case, um, uh, in Bucharest, there's uh, not even half a percent of evangelicals. So there's a desperate need of new churches and uh, um, evangelism and growth. 
Um, we uh, started after we moved back to Bucharest in 2010. Um, we went to a local church, a Baptist, a bigger church in, in the city. And we, our vision was to start something new in, in downtown, where to our knowledge, there has never been a uh, church body or building of, of, of believers um, in, um, in downtown Bucharest. We started a Bible study in our one-bedroom apartment in the living room uh, with about five, seven people maximum. And I just went through a study of First uh, John, verse by verse, the way we were taught to exposit the word at, at DTS. And that has grew into a larger group that could not be contained in our, in our little apartment. And so we, we moved into several rented locations and the Lord has, uh, has, has blessed our efforts. I'm not a specialist in church planting. I wanted, all my life, I wanted to just be a Bible t- teacher and a, a professor, but uh, the Lord um, threw me into, into this uh, adventure and... Um, that was church planting for us. Okay. Do you want to add anything to that, John, about church planting? Uh, on my experience? Yeah. Um, well, uh, as many of you may know, Haiti has been going through some uh, chaotic moment uh, over the past couple of years. But in the midst of it all, uh, God is doing something wonderful uh, and, and continues to bring people to himself. Uh, this past year, we have... Uh, uh, we have pl- uh, launched the church planting initiative, but this past year, one of the church got started in such a way that only God could uh, make it happen. We have uh, a student that lives in a community where there, there, there is no church. And so he usually uh, uses his motorcycle to go from his house to church and, and carry his family there. And about 15, 20 minutes away, one week, his motorcycle broke down. So he had nowhere to go to church. And he told his family that Sunday they would worship at home. And because it's hot in Haiti, they couldn't do it inside, so they did it on the balcony. While he was, uh, the service was going on, uh, the following week he met his uh, two neighbors and they said, you know, Sunday we heard you singing at your balcony. Are you doing that again um, this Sunday? To which he said yes. And then they were like, well, can our family come? And, uh, and those two families come, and so the next Sunday they had three families worshiping together. And then uh, that Sunday it was, the singing was louder, and more people heard the singing and, and the praying, and they came by and said, hey, I heard last Sunday that you guys were singing. Are you doing that again this weekend? And so then when they said yes, and more people come, man, by the, the, the third or fourth Sunday they would have 12 families and by the time you get to six to eight Sundays, the house where the words too small to, to, uh, to meet with the people. So now they have, uh, they put four, four by fours, put a little tin sheet over it so that people can have a place to meet. But uh, that's how God started their church plan, even in the midst of it all. So uh, when, when I talk to the pastor, he's never evangelized, not once, even now. He hasn't been able to evangelize, but God continues to bring people into their midst because it's a God thing. That's awesome. Now, notice he said something um, about Haiti being so hot that you go outside to pray. Uh, people like me, I grew up with air conditioning all my life, so can you explain how that works? <laughs> well, yes. 
in the countryside of Haiti, we don't have electricity, and we don't, uh, yes, we don't have electricity, we don't have AC, so, uh, and we usually have 10 sheets. So during the day, being inside is very hot. And so even, even though it's hot outside, but you wanna be out because you have air flowing through, and that way it keeps you cooler instead of being inside. All right, okay, so Josh, this question is for you. Can you tell our audience two things uniquely about your ministry this year that you want them to know? Yes, uh, I think I would say the first one has definitely been um, as we emerge from COVID, uh, whatever stage of that emergence we're in, uh, at least as restrictions are being loosened, um, we have seen a real hunger for community uh, among people in Bakken Lake. I think probably like all of us, right? People have been eager to get together. They want to be together. They're hungry to be in relationship. And that's been really exciting. That's meant that a lot of people um, have come to CASA. They've been eager to sign up for English classes. The reality is when we, we do a preschool and we do after school reading and we do adult education and we do all of those things, I think very well but really what we offer is a community of love and encouragement and support to men and women. And so uh, people have been hungry for that. Uh, a lot of people have been coming. That's been um, a really exciting and wonderful thing. I think the relationships that we've formed this year in, in, in my perception have been a little deeper. I think people have been a little more open and that's just more opportunities to, to share Christ with people. The second thing I would say is we are seeing the makeup of the neighborhood change. Um, I first arrived in Botman Lake in 2002 to plant a church. Uh, at that time, I would say when I went into any room or, or met somebody, or probably 85 or 90% of the people I met were of Mexican background. And I would say today among our student body, it's probably about 50% people from Mexico. So still a, a very large number, but we're seeing a lot more people coming from Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, an increasing number of people coming from Venezuela. This is because of the political situations in those countries. Um, Honduras has been devastated by several storms in the last few years. Uh, Guatemala has been really struggling um, in many, many ways. I, I think there's a sort of somewhat of a famine going on there as well. So um, we're seeing a lot more people from Central America coming into the neighborhood and that's changing the makeup of our, of our student body. Mm. Same question to each of you. What's two things uniquely about your ministry this year you'd like the audience to know? Well, um, as I alluded to earlier, um, Haiti has been going through a lot of social political uh, crises over the past couple of years. And um, last year has particularly been uh, hard in, the, uh, in Haiti because um, our president was assassinated. And before he was assassinated, he... Uh, selected the prime minister, but before the prime minister could be confirmed, he was assassinated. And um, shortly thereafter, then uh, the Congress was dissolved and, uh, because they couldn't hold any election. And shortly thereafter, then the justice system dissolved as well because there was no president to select judges to govern. And, uh, out of, uh, because of that, then you have a total collapse in the country, and there is there's a uh, there's a, a power vacuum, and that's not that's not being filled at the moment. And 
out of that, you have a lot of people now vying for powers and using all kinds of means to obtain and maintain power. And one of those means they use is equipping gangs and arming gangs so that they can control territories and, and stay in power. And now the gangs have realized now they arm them better than they arm the police force. And so they say, well, instead of obeying to the politicians, why don't we just take over? And so this is what the, the, this is the outworking that we see on the news, how the chaos is happening. And uh, with all that going on, now it impacts food supplies, it impacts fuel. Um, it, um, there was one point in last year where uh, a gallon of gas was close to $40, uh, at U.S. equivalent to $40 U.S., close to it, um, to get a gallon of gas. And... Um, Food supplies cannot get from point A to point B because you have to pay passage and, and different gangs that control the highways to, to get your food supplies from point A to point B. That means you can, if you were to get sick, you can't go to the hospital because you have to go th through so many obstacles to get to the hospital and medicines are not available at the pharmacies and it goes on and on and on and on. And so uh, as you think of it, pray for Haiti. We, we need it. We need a godly leadership to take over so that um, situation can change. But in the midst of it, <laughs> God is doing something wonderful. Uh, um, we started the church planting initiative where we, in our minds, in our programming, we thought in five years, we wanted to plant five churches. And uh, so we, we, we have this plan of serving the land and before they start doing evangelism, before we start doing Bible study and stuff like that. So we had it all programmed. And in one year, uh, we have uh, three church plants now. And it, it just happened the way I just mentioned for the last church plant. And so one, one, another church plant got started because one of the uh, church planters went to survey the land. And then when he went there asking questions, and they was like, well, what do you hope to do? And he said, well, I hope uh, that God would lead me to plant a church. And then the neighbor called the next neighbor and said, hey, there's a, place there's a church plant coming in the neighborhood. And then they called the next neighbor and take them to different people before you know that one visit leads to 50 conversion. And then now they're asking, what do you do with all these 50 people? And so there's a thirst, there's a, uh, um, there's a hunger for, for the Lord, even in the midst of, the, of this chaotic moment, and God is using that to bring people to himself. So I'm excited about that while we're praying for God to change the, the other aspects of the country. Praise God. And I thought $8 per gallon was too much. <laughs> that's, that's how much it was uh, since the war uh, started um, uh, in, in, uh, in Ukraine. That's obviously one of the major things that has happened um, in our part of the world in the last one year, the Ukrainian crisis. And the second one is uh, our church building project and why the Lord chose to put both of those together within uh, 10 months, uh, 12 months. Um, I'm not sure I understand. I think it has to do with him getting all the glory and being in control and not and us not relying on our in our power and resources because you know when the war started hundreds literally hundreds of thousands of refugees flooded our borders and most of them wanted to make their way to Bucharest 
for paperwork or transit um, into the in Western Europe. So we had to do something, and the truth is the churches and the individual believers or non-believers were the first responders before the government did something to help. And uh, it was in the second month of the war that a, an email alert just popped on my, on my laptop uh, uh, with regards to a new property that, you know, I had these filters all uh, set up because uh, we've been looking as a church to purchase something for the last five years. And when I saw that, I, my, my immediate prayer was, Lord, I'm, I'm not doing anything about the building now because we're, we're in this crisis mode with the refugees. Well, long story short, we ended up buying a property in June and now um, we have to renovate it. And um, yeah, that's another story. But these two major things, uh, in addition to everything else, none of the other ministers have truly you know, been put on hold while these uh, two, two new things, major things, are, have been happening. Wow. Okay, Josh, this one's for you. What's been the biggest challenge for you or your ministry this past year? Well, I would say this past year um, has been a really a wonderful set of problems as compared to the previous two years. As I said, we've just seen a real hunger for community. We've seen a lot more students coming to us. And I would say our biggest challenge over the last year is meeting the, the demand, the level of interest. And, and our challenges are having enough space. Our challenges are having enough teachers. Um, hint, hint, we've had a wonderful legacy of Grace Bible Church members come and teach adult English classes. Uh, at Casa del Lago, I know Larry Trulove, uh, Vic Domhoff, Stacy in the first service, we've had a long, a lot of folks have come and done it, and so having the teachers to teach, and then just um, as, as, as more people have come to us, we've been trying to expand the staff, and that means more funding, and um, admittedly, that's, uh, that's a great problem to have as compared to a lot of the problems we've had maybe in previous years, but uh, that, I think, has been our big, our big challenge in the past year. Okay. John, what do you love about the location you serve in? Well, uh, one thing I love about uh, Southern Haiti is the, is the mountains. Uh, lots of mountains. I, I enjoy the view and see them in um, various shapes and how they complement one another. It's, it's a beautiful sight. And uh, also I enjoy seeing the coastal view as you drive in and out of town. And the coast is just beautiful and uh, the, the different uh, beaches that are there and uh, the food that serves there. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, yeah, I, those, those are the, the main thing I enjoy about the people that I serve there. And obviously their resilience, their faith, their commitment and dependency on God, um, their, their, their warmth and their joy and, and, and to, to serve the Lord even though they don't have much. Uh, continues to be a, an encouragement and a challenge uh, to my family as we serve there. Okay. Same question to each of you. What do you love about the most about the location you serve in? Oh, Bucharest. Come and see for yourself. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, our capital city, by far the largest. Um, it would be your 
DC plus New York in terms of importance and influence in the culture and uh, student city. Um, that's where you have most options in all the areas of life. Um, it's kind of dirty. I don't care for that, but uh, I, um, I, um, I, I, I see its potential in our country. 2.5 million people in, in, a, in a city much smaller than uh, the Metroplex here. Uh, so the, uh, there's lots of energy, youth, um, and again, um, leadership development and uh, culture shift. And um, um, I think it, it can change the whole country. Follow-up question for you. So you said that the population there for evangelicals is less than 0.5%? Yes. Okay. And there's over 2 million people there? Over 2 million people. So what's the majority religion? So the majority religion in our country, including Bucharest, is Eastern Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox, just like you would have Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox, Ethiopian Orthodox, and so forth. It, it, is, a, it is a Christian denomination. Um, my um, concern is that it's mostly nominal. Okay. And not, people are not practicing uh, a, a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ mm. um, in, in walking in obedience of him. It's more ritualistic and tradition-based and actually folk religion and superstition. Wow. So how do you reach those people? Well, there's, my approach is building on common ground because... Um, we, we have the same Bible. Well, their Bible includes the Apocryphas and um, quite a few other books and traditions hold the same level of importance. But we have obviously our belief in Trinity, Trinity and um, the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Son of God and so many other common points. That's my personal strategy and preference. Others are approaching the evangelism through open conflict against all the superstitions and some even demonic practices or, or, or um, her, heretic uh, uh, beliefs. Um, but um, in, it all, in, in, in our experience, it mainly has to boil down, boil down obviously to the gospel, mm -hmm. the centrality of Christ, and personal relationship. We make, we're, we're making friends, we build, invest in those relationships, and we love on people. Because love, God loves us, and Jesus has shown us that um, uh, ultimately, sacrificially. So, Amen. Okay, Josh, talk to us about Bachman Lake area. What do you love the most about that? Well, I do like to eat. And um, <laughs> there is a lot of good food in Bachman Lake. Um, some wonderful taco places, uh, pupusas. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to come. Come down to Botman Lake, we'll find you some really good pupusas. And um, so, I mean, the food is, 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 is really wonderful. But um, certainly the, the highlight by far um, is just the people in the community. Uh, I find that uh, it's a community of people who love to celebrate, uh, never miss an excuse for party. At Casa del Lago, we never miss a birthday ever. Um, and uh, so it's uh, a lot of celebration. Um, 
I find people to be really warm and generous in their friendships and relationships. And um, I've been really blessed to sometimes a little bit of work to maybe get through some uh, just initial distance. But uh, when you do, uh, people are, are generous and open-hearted and, and, and very warm and kind. Uh, and they're um, profoundly grateful as well. So uh, I've, I really, I, I love serving in that community. It's been a wonderful community to serve in. All right. So we have time for one last question for each of you. Let's start with John. What is an upcoming major project Grace can help fund this year? Um, at the Bible school, we, we, we have pastors and church leaders that are uh, serving the Lord and being preaching for 15, 20, 25 years but they have never owned a study Bible or a Bible a commentary. And so our goal is to provide them with a study Bible and Bible, a Bible knowledge commentary set um, so that they can have uh, some documentations to help them um, continue to preach sound doctrine in their local churches. So that's one of the major goals that we have uh, for the end of the school year is that, is that the pastors at the Bible school would be provided a study Bible and a Bible knowledge commentary set. And I give the Bible knowledge commentary two thumbs up. It helped me a lot in seminary. Ben, same question to you. Um, it's this new building that the Lord has helped our church to purchase without taking a loan. It, it's amazing to us. It's new to us, but it's actually 100 years old, and it necessitates a lot of renovations, not just in terms of changing carpets and, and furniture. It's, it's in the structure. We need to uh, uh, solidify it and basically construct, uh, build part of it, the roof and so forth. We, we really pray that the Lord will help us complete it by the end of this year. It would save us the rent that we're paying now on, on the place we're renting. And most importantly, it would provide us space that we desperately need to grow. Our children's ministry is packed. Uh, our Sundays are pretty packed as well. There's no room for growth where we are. And so we've, we were really looking forward to moving into a new house as a church. And something we talked about before that's significant about this building also is that you won't have to worry about getting kicked out by renters. Who that's right. The, the landlord... Well, you know, we've been kicked out twice, uh, and during our, um, how should I, while our lease agreement was still good, and the reason we were kicked out, you just, evangelicals are looked down uh, almost as cults in our culture, and nobody wants a vibrant worshiping church in, in their building, you know, praying and singing and doing evangelism, so we will not have that problem, Lord willing, and we will also... The community that we're serving in downtown Bucharest will, um, in our culture, uh, will, will, will um, take us more seriously, Lord willing. Um, and it's all for, for the shining of the gospel. It's, mm -hmm. it's not the building in itself. We don't care to own property for the sake of property. We need it as a tool to a bigger and better impact for Christ. All right. Josh? Every summer for, I believe, the last six years, Casa del Lago has run a summer reading camp for elementary school children in the neighborhood. 
Uh, there's a lot of studies that show kids in low-income communities like Bachman Lake will typically lose between eight to 10 weeks of learning over the summer. That's per summer. So by the time a child finishes sixth grade, they might be 50, 60, 70 weeks behind their counterparts who are going to summer enrichment programs or going on tours of other places. So uh, we have began this five years ago. This is, will be our sixth year. We will run a five-week summer reading camp for uh, children from first to sixth grade. We expect to serve about 100 children in that. We have a wonderful partnership with an organization called Readers to Leaders, which I know is very familiar, founded by the Schweinfurst from this congregation. And uh, we use their reading enrichment curriculum we have a wonderful partnership with the Simone's Family YMCA. They provide free swim lessons for our kids. We provide a lunch for the kids. Um, it's just a wonderful program for families that do not have a whole lot of disposable income. They're not going to send their kids off to some of the cool summer camps that probably a lot of kids in our communities are going to go to. Um, and uh, hint, hint, we also hire 30 high school kids to serve as counselors in that camp. It's a fantastic experience, high school kids, it's a lot of fun, and we even pay you. We don't pay you as much as maybe you'd get at Chick-fil-A, but we do pay you, <laughs> and um, it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of discipleship with that group, and so um, we, uh, we are really excited for that and, and um, really appreciate the resources that help uh, funding that, because it's a, it's a really big effort in our community. Well, thank you guys for coming today. Thank you for what you do and for sharing everything. I'd like to pray for each of them. So if you can join me in prayer as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these men and their willingness to serve you and your people and answer the call to go into missions and ministry. I pray specifically for John and Haiti in general for the socio-political crisis that's going on there. We pray for uh, food supplies and fuel costs to go down. We also ask that people that need the medical care would somehow be able to get it, if that is your will. And we pray for um, fundraising for him, for study Bibles and commentaries to provide to his church leaders and ministry leaders. With Ben, we pray for uh, his ministry to continue going forward, especially with the extra burden of the Ukrainian crisis that's going on right now. We pray that you would give him the resources he needs to care for the refugees that are there in Bucharest. And uh, we pray that you would raise up volunteers as well to serve alongside him and help those refugees and help them to love them well and share Christ with them. We ask uh, for your blessing with raising money for him, for his church building that they have acquired. And we pray for Josh at Casa del Lago that uh, he would be able to meet all the demands that he has. It's uh, good that he has a demand, but we pray for uh, resources for his physical space and for more volunteer teachers and for more funding for both his summer camp and for um, hiring more staff so he can expand. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.